0: It's good to see you. Um, The last time that I was invited to give a sermon here, uh, they send you the biblical texts in advance. And they were all on hell and damnation. And I thought, uh, they said, which one would you choose? And I said, none of them. But I did my best. I did my best. And this time they sent me the texts and they were really quite beautiful. And the one from 1 John was on love, and I said, oh, I choose the one on love, and I'd like to speak from that. And I was really quite pleased until I realized I really didn't have anything to say. (laughs) Love is love. Thank you very much. But today there was a baptism, and the baptism was at the 9 o'clock service. And I have always seen a connection between love and baptism because it seems to me that what we're baptized into, not just in the beginning, but at every moment of our lives, is love. Uh, I'm baptized into love, and, and you are too. And the baptizer is life itself. So baptism is an ongoing process. It continues at every moment. And what I'd like to do is just share some thoughts, some reflections that may serve as uh, lures for feeling for you. So in the beginning, I would like to say I think there's a distinction between being baptized by water and being baptized by fire. Uh, And both are important. When we're baptized by water... Something washes over us and into us, and it's, it's smooth. It's easy. And somehow after that happens, we are a little bit wiser or a little bit more compassionate or a little bit more open to creative transformation than we would otherwise be. I call that baptism by water. Baptism by fire is different. Uh, There's a burning. Uh, There's some pain. Uh, The burning occurs inside us. Um, Sometimes it occurs because we've been burned, but sometimes it occurs more often than not because people we love have been burned. And that's very painful. I want to talk about both kinds of baptism. And if you would allow me, I would like to... um, give some personal examples. Because we're baptized into love, of course that means love of other people. Of course that does. But I think we're baptized into a love of life. Uh, The whole of it. Uh, The hills, the rivers, the trees, the stars, music, dreams, silence, Somehow, we're beckoned into a, a generous attitude toward the whole of it. And that's what baptism is about. And oftentimes the baptizers are people, and I'll tell some stories along those lines. But sometimes the baptizers are music, or the natural world, or the circumstances of life. So some examples uh, from my own life. Early on, when I was a young boy, I was baptized by a river. Uh, The river was the Guadalupe River in the hill country of Texas. And my family would take me there for vacations. And I actually learned to swim in that river. And my deepest memory is of swimming underwater. And I would swim underwater. And there would be the surface, and above the surface were my parents. Above the surface was sunshine. Above the surface, people were having picnics. I loved above the surface, but I really loved beneath the surface, too. And you were in the presence of water, and there were fish and scary things, too. But it was a different world. And it was a beautiful world. And when I swam underwater in that Guadalupe River, I first realized, uh, as do you, I'm sure, that there's a depth dimension to life. There's something behind the surface, beneath the surface, something deeper. It's not just all what appears. There's something below and beneath and it's a little scary, and it's a lot beautiful. And we have that inside each of us, and we see it in other people. There's the deep side, and it's tender, and it's vulnerable, and it's beautiful. I'm grateful to the Guadalupe River in the hill country of Texas for baptizing me into that small form of wisdom. I also, and again maybe you too, was baptized by animals. Um, Do I have any dog lovers among us? (laughs) I I hope so, thank you. Uh, If you're a cat lover, it's okay. (laughs) If you just don't like animals, it's okay. You'll still get the point. It's all right. But I would like to talk about dogs. I grew up myself with, uh, in the presence of dogs, uh, and I'm thinking of Cocker Spaniels in this case. And you know Cocker Spaniels have those beautiful brown eyes. And I really remember as a young boy petting that pet dog and looking in those eyes and realizing there's a soul in there. There's a soul in there. And it's not me but it sure is important, it sure is beautiful, it's amazing. Dogs helped me realize that there are lives other than my own that count, and they don't have to be the same as me to be beautiful. And touching those dogs, petting them in gentle ways, Made me realize actually the beauty of touch. Uh, The beauty of touch, gentle touch, soft touch, a hug, a handshake. I'm grateful to dogs for baptizing me into that realization. I do think that the whole of life is an ongoing process of being baptized. Those are forms of baptism by water because they're soft, they come easily. I'll mention one more, music. Have any of you ever been baptized in sound? I think you probably are every time you hear the choir. When I hear a choir and I hear a harmony, something tingles inside me. There are different voices with different melodies on diff- or different notes. They're together, yet different, and they, they're together, yet different. I'm, I have no other way of saying it. And they're moving together. And it gives me and, and, and us a hope, an image. Maybe, maybe, we can dwell together too. Maybe, maybe we can be in a kind of harmony where the differences are celebrated, appreciated, and there is the togetherness too. Just like that. That's what our church is seeking to be and often embodies, quite often. I'm grateful to music. Now there's also baptism by fire. And baptism by fire does not come as easily. And uh, I myself have been baptized by cold stairs. And let me give you an example. When I was um, just out of college, I think, uh, I was really and still am quite appreciative of and influenced by Buddhism. I like in Buddhism the sense of quiet listening. I like the sense of connectedness. There's all kinds of things I like about Buddhism. I had it in my mind that I was going to go spend some time in a Zen monastery in Japan. And I did. And I uh, had arranged to stay for about a month or a summer, as I recall, at a Zen monastery. And here's the but. I was very proud of myself. Uh, I was very proud of the fact that I was going to do this risky thing and go to this exotic place and be a Zen monk, which just sounded pretty neat to me. And I thought it should sound neat to everybody else, too. So I was on my way to Japan that, that summer, and um, I was actually recruiting, it must have been later, because I was recruiting someone to come speak at Hendricks College where I teach. And she, Susan Dunphy, was a feminist theologian. And I stopped in California where she was teaching. And I, I introduced myself, and I said, I'm Jay McDaniel. I teach at Hendrix College. I would like for you to come speak at my college. I've read your writings. They're so good. And she agreed. And then she said, now, what are you doing here? Oh, and that was the perfect question. Oh, thank you for asking. I'm on my way to Japan to go to a Zen monastery. Uh, oh, really? Why would you want to do that? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh I want to go transcend my ego. (laughs) Because we know that Buddhism is all about transcending the ego, and we know that's the purpose of life, isn't it? And yes, here I go. And as I talked, she began to stare at me, and let me be honest, it was a glare. It wasn't going well. And I knew it. And I knew there was something coming from behind those eyes, looking at me and. And it did not like what it saw, me. And so when I finally stopped talking, she said, you go to Japan. You go try to transcend your ego. Good luck. But please understand, some of us don't feel like we have egos in the first place. Some of us have felt like we're doormats, like we're nothings like we're nobodies, like everybody just treats us as if we're uh, on the periphery. Many women are in that situation, and I've been in that situation. She had suffered from domestic abuse. She knew what it was like to be a doormat. She was speaking from the inside. And she said, what I hope that God gives me is an ego. What I hope that God gives me is a sense of self because that's what I lack you go to Japan you go now when she said that to me that was the first of many many lessons um, in the dangers on the one hand of arrogance and spiritual pride and being puffed up and also the danger of thinking that my story is everybody's story And that there's one story that fits all. There are so many stories. And Susan helped me see that. I'm grateful to her for baptizing me. She baptized me by fire. Thank you. Now, there are other kinds of baptism by fire, and we know them all. Pain. Death old age, disease. They never come easily. There's no need to romanticize them. In my view, they are not God's will. They are not part of a plan. The future is not preordained. They are painful. Also to God. And where God is, is not in the disease, not in the hardship, not in the pain, but in our capacity somehow inside us to face them with some degree of courage and to take a next step, wherever that next step needs to be, in light of that situation. Uh, There's a famous saying in Zen Buddhism. Uh, The monk comes up to the master and asks the master, what is it like to be enlightened? And the master says, nothing special. Nothing supernatural. We can't walk on water. So the monk says, what can you do? And the master says, When I fall down, I can get up again. When I fall down, I can get up again. The grace, the resurrection is in that capacity to get up again in whatever way that's possible. A new attitude, perspective, true grit, courage. We are in that way also baptized by hard things, sad things. I don't think they come from God, but what does come from God is our capacity to respond. So it seems to me that life is an ongoing process of being baptized. It it, it may begin at a young age. But it continues. It it never stops. I myself believe in baptism after death. (laughs) I think there's a continuing journey. It doesn't even stop with death. But even as we're baptized, we're also baptizers. Uh, Everything we do, everything I do, everything you do, becomes a world for someone else. We create one another's worlds, we are one another's worlds. I'm married. I'm the world to my, not the world, but a world to my wife. And we're all worlds. How do we do that? In a way, we're invited to be baptizers. Now, there's bad baptism and good baptism. Uh, Bad baptism is another name for sin. It's acting in ways that harm others. It's acting in ways that create contexts that make them afraid or fearful or unloved or lonely. We do that and we can can only hope for forgiveness and that we can make amends and when we fall down, get up again. But there is good baptism and we do that too. We do that when we love our neighbors and love ourselves in generous ways. One of the deepest forms of good baptism, as I see things, is listening. Have you ever been in the presence of someone that has listened to you and so generously, so non-judgmentally, that their presence was their gift? They were there and they were with you and their presence was their gift. They did not have to say anything Their presence was their gift. I have two. And when someone gives you, or when I give someone the gift of presence, that's good baptism. You're helping them, you're creating a world in which they can be. And that's a good thing. We can also be baptized by wise counsel, by words. Uh, I'm baptized almost every time I hear a sermon here. I'm, I'm baptized by the liturgy all the time. Uh, one time I was baptized by my mother, and I'd like to close with that story. I think I was six years old. Uh, we lived in San Antonio, Texas. Um, had a, a backyard. There was a patio, brick patio, oak trees. I love that backyard. There were uh, grass snakes in the trees. I was afraid of them. But I wasn't afraid of my mother. And so what, we would go out there sometimes and sit. And one time, and I really don't remember the context, but I remember the question. I said to my mom, now 97, I said, Mom, who is Jesus? What is Jesus? And I remember exactly what she said. She said, Jesus is someone who is always holding your hand, even when you don't know it. Now for me, as a little six-year-old, I had never heard such a wonderful idea. You mean there's something in the universe that's always holding my hand and even everybody's hand? even when they don't know it. That's what she meant. That's what she meant. Do you need to call that Jesus? Uh, please do so. I'm not sure you have to. I think you find whatever word you can find. To name that, that, that deep compassion in which we live and move and have our being. And as a Christian, I believe Jesus was a window into that, myself. Uh, I have friends who are Jewish, friends who are Muslim, friends who are Buddhist, friends who are uh, free spirits, friends who are all kinds of things. I have one friend, I love him so much. Um, he says, I'm a Confucianist," <laughs> and, and I said, you mean Confucian, right? Confucian. No, no, I don't mean that at all. I mean I'm a confusionist, I'm always confused. I said, oh I know that religion too. (laughs) I think all of us are enfolded within that deep compassion. And I think all of us are being perpetually baptized in some way through fire, and yes, uh, through water. So I'm grateful to say that maybe, just maybe, that's what love is about, baptizing and being baptized. Thank you.